Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events around the Endless Mountains. Well, hey, it's March and I think people are anxious for some warmer weather. You know, maybe to get outside and start working in their backyard or planting some trees. Um, even thinking about starting those early veggies. So, while we wait for that warmer weather to arrive, we really wanted to discuss some of our 2022 seedling sale varieties and, you know, give you a chance to think about and then order some this year. So what caught your eye on the flyer? I think one of the first ones I really wanted to talk about was button bush. So if you're looking for an attractive shrub that will really grow in wet areas or standing water, or even flood prone areas, um, you might want to consider this one. So it grows as a multi-stemmed shrub or even a small tree that can reach heights of roughly 5 to 12 feet and it gets about 4 to 8 feet wide. Um, it's a deciduous species, which means it loses its leaves in the winter. It has glossy dark green leaves and they form in whorls. It flowers typically from June through September. Um, the flowers on it are like one inch globes and they're densely packed tiny white or pinkish flowers that cover the entire shrub. And they're a magnet for pollinators of many types, especially bees and butterflies. So it's a great thing to add to your pollinator garden. It's also an important adult food source for two spink moths found in our area. And those are the Titan spink moth and the Hydrangea spink moth. And it's also considered of special value by the pollinator program of the Xerces Society for Invertebrate Conservation. Um, honeybees and native bees produce honey from the button bush, nectar, and pollen. And after it blooms, the flower head becomes a red ball-shaped fruit composed of many tiny two-seed nutlets. And birds consume these seeds, and the shrub itself is considered to be moderately deer-resistant. So if you have problems with deer eating your shrubs in your yard, this might be a good one. Yeah, awesome. So as I mentioned before, buttonbush grows very well in wet soils, including flood conditions and shallow standing water. Yeah, so if you're looking to put something in those wet areas, consider purchasing this one. I don't know if I've ever seen a button bush. You? I don't think so. Not to uh, to look it up and, you know, maybe I have and I just haven't realized it, but definitely sounds like a great shrub to have around the house. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one that the pollinators will enjoy. So, and you mentioned sphinx moth. Um, have you ever seen one of those? If I have, I didn't know what it was. Those are so cool. You know, a lot of people think, oh, hummingbird. But, I mean, because they have the, the rapid wings, just like hummingbirds do. And uh, Are they as big as a hummingbird? Uh, a little smaller. But, yeah, if, um, you know, you do plant the button bush, you'll be able to see them. So, cool. So, one that caught my eye was the pawpaw. And this is also called the poor man's banana. Uh Pawpaw is a large native shrub or small tree and it grows to roughly 35 feet. Um, once in a while you'll see one that's taller. Its trunk is about 8 to 12 inches in diameter. So not a, a giant tree by any standard. Uh, the large leaves of the pawpaw are clustered symmetrically and they're at the end of the branches. This gives it a distinctive imbricated appearance. So kind of a, a strange word maybe to some, but imbricated, it kind of means, um, it, if I could describe it better, um, if you look at asphalt shingles, right? you know how they're layered on a house, uh, kind of the same way. 
uh, so a little bit layered. And that's what you see for the tree's foliage. Uh, the leaves of the trees are simple, alternate, spirally arranged, uh, and it's another deciduous tree. Um, the leaves kind of remind me of the classic shape of a boat, pointed at both ends, wider in the middle. Uh, when, the, when it's bruised, the leaves have a disagreeable odor, similar to maybe a bell pepper. Uh, in the fall, the leaves do appear as like a rusty yellow, so it allows um, bystanders to really spot pawpaw groves from quite a long distance. Uh, in the full sun, the pawpaw tree develops a pyramidal shape uh, with dense drooping foliage. In the shade, it grows taller uh, with kind of a more open branching habit. Now here's the important part, the part that everybody really wants to know about, and that's the flowers and the fruit. So pawpaw flowers are referred to as perfect, meaning each individual has both male and female structure, and um, they tend to be a rich red, purple, or maroon when mature. Flowers are produced in early spring at the same time, or maybe even slightly before the new leaves appear. Um, you have to note that the flowers aren't the best part of the plant, um, just because they do have a little bit of an unpleasant smell, and they're actually pollinated by flies, um, just because that smell draws in the flies. Um. Yeah, yeah, but um, then comes the fruit, and the pawpaw fruit is large, yellowish green to brown, and it contains several black seeds embedded in the soft edible fruit. Uh, so the fruit begins to develop after the plant flowers, and they're initially green, maturing somewhere between September and October. Um, so what does it taste like? And it's said to kind of resemble the taste of bananas, mangoes, and pineapples. So a mix of those three, maybe some more fruits. Um, it's enjoyed in a variety of different dishes, uh, or even just plain, as it's said to have a custard-like texture. So Have you ever ate one? I haven't. Um, I planted a couple, maybe three or four years ago, and um, they're still kind of small. Not producing yet, but... I'm looking forward to it. Um, so they're doing pretty well. Nice. Yeah. So the next species um, I wanted to cover is a pretty common one. It's found all across Pennsylvania. It's the mountain laurel. It's also PA's state flower. And fun fact about it, it's also studied by scientists for its biomechanics. Okay, how so? I'll get to that in just a little bit. Okay. But, um, since the early 18th century, mountain laurel's been cultivated as a flowering ornamental. So English breeders later shipped it back across the Atlantic to be sold to Americans as a potted plant. Um, there's at least 75 cultivars of it, and it's mostly propagated through tissue culture. Um, it does have a native range, though, all through the eastern United States, extending from southern Maine to Louisiana and even northern Florida. So in the woods, um, you've probably seen it before. It's found in really dense thickets, makes excellent wildlife habitat and cover. Um, a lot of stuff hides in it. And the mature plants average heights from 7 to 10 feet, but some plants have been recorded as tall as 40 feet. Um, if you hunt and you've ever done drives, you probably dread the laurel patches. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, thick and trip over everything. So it has a really slow growth rate. Um, ranges only 4 to 8 feet over the course of a decade. So it really takes a long time for these patches to develop. The burls are actually used for various tools and utensils as well. So you asked about the biomechanics. 
So scientists have observed um, through high-speed cameras and slowing down the video footage that mountain laurel has these sacs of pollen that are attached to 10 separate anthers. So as the blooms swell and then they begin to open, the filaments attached to each anther are pulled backward into an arc, kind of like a catapult, and it creates a hair-like trigger. So when a bumblebee begins to explore and touches one of those flower blooms, the filament hurls that pollen at the underside of the bee. So that's how they pollinate. Oh, so the bee gets hit by the pollen and then carries it away? Yep. Awesome. Yeah, it's neat. Something I never knew before this show. Mm-hmm. Mountain Moral has a white to a blush pink color flower. Um, they're really pretty in the woods from like late May to late June. They bloom. Yeah, some of the intricate designs on the inside of the flower are amazing. Yeah, they're really pretty. And so I think I'd mentioned before, it is Pennsylvania State Flower, and this was dubbed by Gifford Penshow in 1933. Talked about that guy before. Yep. Um, It's ideally suited as a landscape accent as well. You can use it as a hedge or even a border. And it's best for natural landscapes and other low-maintenance gardens where it can be allowed to grow to its natural size. Also a great one to plant um, for the bees and pollinators. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to mention elderberry. Um, it's a favorite of mine. I planted it last year, but I harvested it wild and, and replanted it in my backyard. Um, but we're offering it this year. Last year we tried to offer it, but it was so popular that it got sold out distributor. Um, so unfortunately we didn't have it last year, but we got it this year and, uh, Hopefully. Um, this shrub actually ranges from maybe 6 to 13 feet tall, or it tends to stay on the smaller end rather than larger. Um, somewhat weak stems, uh, especially when they're young. The young stems have a, a large white pith. The older stems are mostly hollow. Um, the leaves, they kind of remind me of black walnut or hickory. Um, they're pinnately compound. Um, so they kind of match each other side to side. Um, and they're about 6 to 12 inches long, uh, 5 to 9 inches wide. But the flowers, the flowers are born in 5 to 9 inch wide clusters. They're also known as inflorescence. Um, they, they end up being on the tips of the branches. So the clusters contain several hundreds of flowers. And they're white. And they do smell, they have a floral citrusy smell. A lot of people are interested in the fruits. So the purple droop is edible, but when cooked, uh, make sure you cook it first. Uh, It can be used in pies, pancakes, jellies, Uh, elderberry flowers and fruit are used in winemaking. And a lot of people know them for medicinal qualities as well. Um, So actually starting to sell it right in stores. Several different kinds of medicines for colds and flus actually have elderberry in it. So um, wildlife also enjoy the fruit. And the arching branches definitely provide a great habitat for your nesting birds. Um, Here's an interesting fact though. You walk past the elderberry bush, tend to see a lot of insects on the flowers. Um, They're just kind of hanging out there, doing their own thing. Um, They're not actually typically pollinating it. Um, it's pollinated by wind, so you're just enjoying the plant's nectar for free. But it definitely draws in a lot of pollinators, um, you know, your butterflies and native bees, flies. So 
Um, definitely good habitat for a lot of different animals and insects. All right, so yeah, definitely go online, check out our seedling cell at suscondistrict.org. Um, there's a link there for our flyer as well as online ordering. So you can either send in an order form with a check or just go ahead and place your order online with a credit card. So the deadline to place your order is Monday, March 21st. And pickup will be at the Susquehanna County Conservation District office on April 23rd. So with that, we do have a couple of events for you. Um, Salt Springs State Park is back to having events for the year and their first one is this coming Sunday, March 6th at 1 p.m. and it's Oh the Many Feet We Meet. Kelly Finan will teach about some of the mysterious mammals common in the park and how to identify them by their tracks and then you'll follow the tracks in the snow or maybe the mud and discover other signs of their activity. So they ask that you dress for the weather and prepare to walk through snowy and or muddy conditions. The fee is $5 and it's free for members and kids. All right. Um, NEPA Rail Trail has a couple events coming up. Uh, we've mentioned this before, but definitely get out if you're looking for something to do. Uh, walking Mondays are at 10 a.m. March 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th. And they meet at the Uniondale Trailhead. Uh, the other one we wanted to mention also on the rail trail and that's the winter tree hike so that's march 5th at 10 a.m to 12 p.m and uh, you're going to be out there identifying trees along the trail jim kessler retired forester for the area will be doing the trail walk and discovering examining discussing all kinds of trees also be looking for animal prints um, and just discussing the history of the trail so definitely check that out. Again, it's March 5th, this coming this coming Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Well, I guess that does it for today's show. If you have questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can ask questions or make comments about the show. You've been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Browns. And I'm Don Hibbard saying, enjoy the outdoors.